Hi, and welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, the podcast where just previous to this, I took a swig of margarita. We talk about uh, frying pans and husbands and the times that those two intersect. Make of that what you will. And Girl Scout cookies. And Girl Scout cookies. That is the well-rounded bringing it all the way back to. If you thought this was a podcast that used scripts to discuss their history stories, boy, we have heartbreaking news for you. Um, So sorry about your luck. (laughs) Um, I'm Teresa. I'm Angie. We have no scripts, but each week we do come together and tell each other delightful tales about history that the other one has likely never heard or researched in the depth that the other one has. So, in lots of notes, we bring so many notes. Honestly, it's disgusting how often we go to the Library of Congress. Mm -hmm. The only part of Congress we really have faith in anymore. The library part. I mean, that's the library that checks, part. Honestly, it? yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, Congress. I mean, these I'm are not. things. <laughs> are we really sorry? Because I, no. I feel like you know we have seen things, we have heard things, we have been through things. Um, this week it's going to be purely me just spouting off the the inane crap that I have found. Um, I'm so excited. I know. I I <laughs> kind of went overboard with research. This story was inspired by someone that I interacted with on TikTok. Okay. Their handle (laughs) is peanut butter yeeter. Like as in to yeet something into the surface of the sun, but yeeter. Okay. I feel the same way about peanut butter, my friend. I enjoy (laughs) peanut butter, but to yeet it is a very very interesting thing. Um, Do you like just a whole glob of it? Like just... I mean, I just walk around with a palm full of peanut butter and just lick it throughout the day. Is that not how I'm supposed to? It's I, t- I type one handed with a palm full, my right palm full of peanut butter. You know, and actually that explains a lot. So just run with it. Live your best life. You know, explains why my keyboard is uh, shiny. Why? It's why I need a new keyboard every three months. But whatever. do you see how moisturized the skin is? That's the peanut butter oil. It's natural. Um, anyhow. My my sources, I'll start with that. Um battlefields.org. I you know what I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna end up I'm I'm gonna tell you about the Battle of New Orleans. Do you know anything about it? Very little. Okay. Um it is surprisingly a carryover from last week's story when I told you about the pirates of Barataria Bay. I sincerely believe that is unsurprisingly a carryover from last week's Aratari Bay. <laughs> right. Um Okay, so all of that to say, Peanut Butter Yeeter and I went back and forth on this because he told me to look up the Battle of New Orleans. I say he, I really don't know. It could be she because Peanut Butter Yeeter is gender neutral. So they, they, um, they you told you look me at about their the picture. Battle. Is it just like, is it just peanut butter? I mean, it is, it is a blue and red logo looking dealy. Gotcha. Okay. 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 So it, it is, it is. Removed. ambiguous all the way through correct and i didn't go through clicked all their videos and see if they had videos and see if they're you know what i i didn't see i have no idea um we did talk <laughs> Sorry. about it we did talk about it and i explained that i wanted to do the battle of new orleans but it mentioned something about pirates and i had to take an immediate detour and so you got to hear about pirates first okay sure. um so battlefields.org the battle of new orleans louisiana state website has an article on the battle of new orleans the historic New Orleans connection, the Battle of New Orleans timeline, history, heritagehistory.com, the Pirates of Bay, 
Library of Congress has an article about Andrew Jackson. It's his whole timeline, the War of 1812 and the Indian Wars. Um, then there's a website called 64 Parishes, and they have an article, the people of free color or free people of color. So okay. basically, Homegirl did a ton of research, got sidetracked with pirates, and ended up giving you that verbal info dump. And then we come in this week for what started me down this rabbit hole. I am so excited. I, like, thank you for doing this story. It'll be much funner to hear it from you than to just read it myself. Right. So, um, okay. So let me back up. I mean, I know you know this, but just to set the scene and to kind of reset everything where we are, what we're doing, what we know about life in general, which isn't a whole hell of a lot. Um, New Orleans, previously ruled by France, didn't take it over by Spain, then it's French again before becoming American. So there's a lot of ambiguity and switching flags and just generally going, nah, who cares? Um, so no matter who ruled, everybody who lives there is united by the idea of hating the British. That, <laughs> that has been the commonality, right? A tale as old as time. And this was something I had to relearn that New Orleans was a real melting pot. And it's like, I knew that, but I didn't know that. And there's gonna be a couple opportunities where I go, I had to relearn that because my brain, I've never been in New Orleans. I've never been in Louisiana. So I think about things from a very, I had school in California kind of view, which pops mm -hmm. up. And so my, my bias, my lens, they, they come up from time to time. In New Orleans, we have the Catholic Creoles, the free people of color, Protestant Americans, and all of them hate British people that's just that that is where it is and we're just a couple decades past the revolutionary war so everybody is fresh off of that now a little bit of background we're going to start in december 1803 and remember we're going to 1814 that's when the pirates okay okay um the united states and napoleonic france they concluded their transfer from louisiana to the u to the u.s ownership despite strenuous objections great britain and spain are arguing that the purchase violates the terms of, you know, the Treaty of San Ildefonso. I don't know. I butchered that. I'm going to edit that out. Um, but either way, Spain and Britain, they're they're up in arms over this. They're like, you can't, you can't know. You got to keep that. I mean, I find that interesting. But either way, Britain was deep in its feels. Between 1803 to 1807, the British Royal Navy is fighting Napoleon. This is where we get the Napoleonic Wars, right? which is probably why we were able to buy it anyhow. They needed the cash. They were a bit hard up. So the British Navy is depleting its own numbers. And to bolster the numbers of the Navy, they would use the policy of impressment. Are you familiar with this? Um, maybe hit me with it because I might know. I, I'm thinking I'm thinking I don't know what it is. That's fair. It's, it's a policy where anyone suspected of being British by birth can forcibly be removed from a foreign vessel and pressed into military service. Okay. Definitely not what I was thinking. Okay. Um, the United States really has a hard time with this and they protest it because many of the unfortunate sailors that are impressed into service are naturalized U.S. citizens. Mm -hmm. but they were British by birth. 
So they're ours now. Uh, what if they were born on the water? Like on the way over? Yeah, I don't know. That's legal loophole. I found it. I, I haven't worried. But see, here's the deal. Chances are, statistically, you were not one of those born on the journey on international waters. Statistically. They don't probably, know that. You probably, you know what? They don't know a lot of things. But either way, you think about it. And it, this is time to really work on your accent. Because if if they pull over the boat and you go, hang on, get on the boat. Come on over here. Go swab the deck. We've we've got, a you know, go raise the mast or the sail, whatever you got to do. The, I think the only way you can get out of this is if you start speaking French fluently. You know, mm-hmm. if you look like the country they're going to war with, they might leave your boat alone. But either way, um, all of this comes to a head. 1807, June 22nd, we have what we call the Chesapeake Incident. Okay, while searching for Royal Navy deserters, the frigate HMS Leopard stops and attempts to board an American frigate, Chesapeake. Eventually, they start firing broadside into her and killing or wounding 21 American seamen. Which is, you know, honestly, if you're trying to get somebody to come work on your ship, maybe not shooting them is preferable. Maybe they get more work done. I mean, tomato, tomato. And maybe I'm just being a jerk face and thinking about this from an entirely too capitalistic of a viewpoint. No, I mean, like, like typically when you have all your, your arms and your appendages and not a gaping hole in your, in your gut, you're more inclined to be useful. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you quit bleeding all over the the folded mask, it doesn't like you know unfurl. It, it unfurls easier. It doesn't get stuck together. Yo, I do what I can, right? You know, these are things. Um, either way, American public, they're pretty they're pretty pissed off. It's really just kind mm-hmm. of a bad day at work when you're searching for the team that abandoned the shift that they're supposed to be supporting you on, and you oopsie poopsie, and then cross twenty one people off the census. That's uh. <laughs> don't laugh try not to laugh I that mean, was a great way of wording that mm-hmm. so okay that's June 22nd July 2nd of the same year President Jefferson issues a list of grievances against Great Britain in an attempt to secure American trade rights this is the first version of what he passes as the uh, embargo act which takes in effect in December of that year But I'm looking at this as this sounds like the modern day equivalent of a very tersely worded email slash angry Zoom call. I mean, that checks, actually. It's it's just a list of grievances. Like, what? I I would hope for more from the leader of my country other than like, I am deeply saddened that you have crossed 29 people off my census. This bothers me greatly. I mean, I want to hear, dear customer service, I am typing this with both middle fingers. (laughs) Well, but he's trying the polite tactic first, you know? I mean, he does go as far as halting all exports to the UK and then puts limits on the imports. See? I mean, it doesn't feel harsh enough. And maybe I am too much of a choleric Maybe I am just too deep in my feels and I just go straight to my villain era. Good for you. I'm here for it. 
I don't know if I live out of my villain era. I don't know if I've ever been outside of my villain era. But the UK mm -hmm. responds by saying, well, if you only want some of our stuff, then we're going to refuse to sell you or your friends anything. Taking our ball and going home. Basically. So November 11th, the British government issues its orders of council of 1807 and cuts off all maritime trade between France, British allies, neutral nations, including the U.S. Take mm -hmm. that. Ha! So that that happened and i feel like i mean that does seem like a very diplomatic thing to do on how you go through things it feels weird but i don't know if i would have been happy with any action um jefferson's embargo act apparently isn't popular because apparently people are used to their standard british fare i want my tea yeah that's exactly what i want and mm -hmm. my arsenic wallpaper please and thank you mm-hmm and my patterns for my fabrics. Thank you so much. Oh, actually, I don't think arsenic wallpaper was quite there yet. When I think about it, 1809 feels too early. I don't mm. feel like we had the shell green yet. Anyhow, uh, before I look, get sidetracked about shield green wallpaper, um, the Embargo Act gets repealed and it's replaced by something called the Non-Intercourse Act, which I'm going to be completely honest. And if I saw that on a multiple choice quiz, I would not guess the correct answer for the Non-Intercourse Act. It's not what you think it is. <laughs> it would not be what I think it is. I would not be in history class when I selected that answer. Fair. But the Non-Intercourse Act lifts the costly restrictions on U.S. vessels sailing abroad, except for those bound to French or British ports. So those two guys, still, still you got to pay the heavy amount. Everybody else, you're cool. That checks. So we're now in 1811, 1812. So we're, we're working our way up. Things are starting to get a little bit more tense. Much of history just cycles again and again and again. And we see this with the Speaker of the House, Henry Clay, and Representative John C. Calhoun of South Carolina, they're called the war hawks in Congress. And these these two are openly calling for war against Great Britain as a mean to, quote, assert American sovereignty and regain not lost national honor. Basically, they just said, let's make America great again. We've only been around for literally a decade, but let's make America great again. Yeah. June 16th, 1812, the British orders in council are repealed but two days later on june 18th um the united states declares war on great britain as you so, do it could be news didn't hit them yet that they were going to reduce things it could be that america said too little too late it could be i don't know either way we're now at war and the war goes on from June to November, because in November, the British Admiralty meet to discuss a diversionary assault to be mounted on New Orleans to reduce the American pressure on the Canadian front. Because again, British owns Canada. They're coming down right. that way. And right. that's that's where a bulk of 1812 is fought. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so for my, my last story, September of 1814 that's when the royal navy captain nicholas locklear meets jean lafayette or La lafayette john lafitte i did it again 
and his minute grand. <laughs> Other <hair>. Frenchmen. <laughs> I, you know, look, the, you guys all look the same. Which strangely, you also look like British people. So can we just get thicker accents? <laughs> Weird. Could we work this out? Yeah, you like know? just thicker accents all around. No, I'm joking. Um, I'm going to scrap all of that. Um, <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by Everything's Been Deleted. I was going to say the delete basket on my computer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Round file. Okay, so Jean Lafitte and his men in Grand Terre, Louisiana, and meets with the captain. The captain's like, look, we're going to pay you a boatload of money. We're going to forgive your sins against sacking all of our ships. We just want to force you into fighting on our side. Hit them Americans. Sound good. Mm. Right. I mean, you started out French. You're basically not American, so you might as well. Enemy of my enemy. They've got your brother in jail. You might as well. So Lafitte ends up stalling for time in the best way possible. If you missed last episode, that's where he says he he looks at all this paperwork. He goes, come on board, come ashore, come off, come off board, come ashore, see what we've got to offer. Come see our humbling, our humbling, our humble (laughs) distractions. And uh, I'll read through your paperwork. And as soon as he's looking through, he goes, I'm going to go have a deep think about this. And he walks out of the room. All of his men descend upon this captain and his men, imprison them. And the captain and his men think they're going to get, you know, offed because pirates not known for being the best hosts and then the next morning lafitte comes goes my 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 i did not order i did not sanction all of this out loud directly not me i don't know where my men got this idea hint hint wink wink nudge nudge great job johnny um but hey i'm gonna escort you to your ships with my deepest apologies and I'm going to need to get my affairs in order. So give me about two weeks before I do any assaulting on the Americans. Okay, thanks. I'm going to take your money. <laughs> Goodbye now. And then as soon as they sail off to the sunset, it's, okay, we got to get a message to the governor of Louisiana about the British attack. We got to play all our cards. And that brings us up to where we're at now. Because it's, I love uh, knowing pirates were involved in this. Like, it makes me so happy. <laughs> This is one of those bits of history that I'm like, I feel like if my teacher had said, but pirates, Mm -hmm. then I suddenly would have gone, sorry, I was too busy eating goldfish in the back of the classroom. Can can we cycle back through that? We had pirates. Thank you. There were pirates. And they had a secret base. I mean, not so secret, not so secret, because literally a couple of weeks later, so Governor Claiborne hears attack by the British, as said by pirates, and his response is to send U.S. naval forces under Commandant Daniel Patterson to attack the Baratarian pirates at Grand Terre, and he ends up capturing only 80 men and 26 vessels. Only. Only, which means a lot of them jump ship and swam off. But these are things. And that's where I read just that section. I went, hold up pirates (laughs) and i was like i i had a lot to learn um and so that's when britain starts consolidating a lot of its power in the caribbean right okay so um thank you for coming with me for two pages of notes because here's where we get into some fun stuff (laughs) britain sent for for the battle of new orleans 
numbers are ambiguous. So they range from 11,000 to 14,450 troops. Okay. Okay. And they send them under the command of Major General Edward Packenham to fight the Louisiana campaign. Now, some places, very pro-British, will say that these included army and navy men fresh from the campaigns fought against Napoleon in Europe, as well as, you know, other veterans of other theaters of the War of 1812. Okay. But I'm looking at it like, okay, were they fresh from or, you know, because we're thinking about, ooh, they've got bloodlust in their eyes. Or are they like fucking tired because they've fought for the last several months? They could months. use a nap. They haven't been home to wash their underwear in their own sink yet. And here we are forcing them into another. It's, it's the 1812. Like, of they're all not, the things, they don't have. That's what got you? Like, where, all, where are you going to launder your chonies? Of all the things for you to say that they haven't been home to do, washing their underwear is what you come up with? What do you do when you first get home from a trip? Oh, I don't know if I just got done fighting a war. I might greet my wife. I might, I I might just go have push a round her of the out tavern. of the way, straight to go the utility to the sink. sink. <laughs> Listen, you don't want to greet me yet. I Barbara, move aside. I've got things to do. <laughs> Come on, Martha. Get out of the way. Martha's Come just trying on, to introduce Irene. you to her oh. next son. Yeah. You know? The one that Whatever. was conveniently born nine months ago and you've been gone for much longer. Yeah. I mean. Drama. Anyway, carry on. Wash your chonies. <laughs> So either way, nearly 15,000 troops come. And one of the people leading them is this dude named Vice Admiral Alexander Cochran, who is in charge of the British Navy in American waters. So this is a ton of people. And America looks like it's about to get walloped. Of these people that are brought over, this was just neat to me. They had the 1st and the 5th West India regiments that were among the British forces that made up of about 1,000 black soldiers from Jamaica, Barbados, and the Bahamas. That's pretty cool. Isn't that neat? I feel like we don't, when we talk about black history, we kind of skip a lot of the, a of lot the parts of where they super helped in wars. Right. I mean, yeah. pick a war, any war, we whitewash it. Mm-hmm. So to hear that, I was like, oh, wow, look at you guys. And then some of the units that made up the uh, British service were recruited and trained American slaves who had escaped to British lines and they were attracted by the promise of freedom. So very much like the Baratarian pirates where it's like, come on, join us and we will give you what you want. It's very much like the Goblin King going, <laughs> I I will give you what you ask. All I ask is, you know. I was thinking come that. to the dark side, we have pie, but you know, whatever. Goblin King is much cooler. I mean, I when mean, in doubt, David, David Bowie. Bowie. Yeah, you're not wrong. And leggings. <laughs> Let's talk about the hair. I mean, it's the hair. It was the hair. <laughs> so the U.S. forces at the time, they're uh, they're much smaller. Um, so again, up to nearly fifteen thousand. The U.S. is bringing thirty five hundred to maybe five hundred or five or sorry, sorry, thirty five hundred to five thousand. To, so, and we're working against potentially 14,000? 14,450. I was going to say almost 15,000, but that didn't seem fair. 
I it, it literally is almost fifteen thousand. All right, so we're so we're we're hugely outnumbered. Yeah, is that okay. going to be a problem? I'm not for is the that, Americans. Are you kidding me? I mean, look, anytime we have forces this lopsided, it's one of those games of roll them dice because it doesn't work out well. Not in risk, not in war. No, you're rolling nat twos on this. <laughs> Roll for initiative. Yeah. <laughs> so the detachment for the U.S. is composed mainly of army troops from Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi, and Louisiana militias. The Bartarian Pirates, go team, Choctaw Warriors, and free <laughs> black soldiers. To which I went, this is- what? What? Free black soldiers? And I, I ended up being like, okay, Hubs, I need to talk this through with you. Free black soldiers. He goes, okay, wait a minute. You started this by telling me Louisiana and Louisiana had all of these other powers, not American. And there were free people there, free people mm-hmm. of color. You started by saying that. And I went, oh yeah, didn't I? And so I had to go off on a couple of merry tangents to talk up or to learn about free people of color in Louisiana during this time, because it just, my biases clicked in. I was like, wait a minute. We're, we're in the South. The South has its the own The Tian laws. There we go. Now, okay. So everything comes together. Mm-hmm. History overlaps. God, I love history. Mm-hmm. So again, just to circle back, Great Britain up to 14,450 troops. U.S. up to 5,000 troops. But I also didn't say the person leading the American troops, you may have heard of him, Major General Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Sorry, I I genuinely, genuinely wanted you to say Lafayette. <laughs> he was a bit Jackson busy. He was a bit <laughs> a little busy. busy. He was, yeah, he was a little bit occupied at the time. Mm. Yeah, they were already at war with Britain. Excuse me. So Jackson's okay. And can I just repeat again that when Jackson and Jean Jean Lafitte meet, they meet at a freaking absinthe house, which is just mind blowing to me. Like, I mean, it checks for the story when you think about how wild everything else is. Absinthe house just makes sense. <laughs> and when you like learn that Jackson had a parrot who swore profusely at his own funeral, like I love that for us. I mean, a lot of I, I hate a lot about Jackson. I really, really do. But he did have some redeeming qualities, the parrot being one of them. <laughs> I was going to say the parrot topping the chart. <laughs> I mean. and the, Yeah, and the great hair. Yeah. Like, okay. okay for to believe the portraits, anyway. You know, like, we, we have a side tangent. So when you think about parrots that swear and people and parrots, you know, being very long lived pets and maybe them outliving their, their owners and zoos not wanting to take in these exotic birds because of the swearing. I really think, now hear me out on this. If your zoo had a beer garden in an aviary and the aviary was full of swearing parrots bank take it to the bank right like Mm -hmm. that would just be brilliant just a bunch of macaws swearing profusely as you're chugging ciders i'm here for it right yeah let's do it the oregon zoo has not returned my email but anyhow rude i I have requests (laughs) um 
So sorry, <laughs> that was quite the merry tangent. I will edit that out of the script. I will not. Um, I was going to say, please do not, because what if one of our listeners has access to a zoo that can make this happen and you just edit it out? And we're invited to the grand opening? Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay, I have a new dream. I'm changing the name <laughs> got... of the podcast. Oh, what's it going to be changed to? Invite me to the swearing birds and the beer party at the zoo. I mean, that's it. It needs to be workshop. unhinged. It needs to be workshop, <laughs> but it's equally unhinged. But I, I'm in full support. Okay, so um, while we're waiting for our invites, Jackson's forces. <laughs> so they do come from this wider range of people. Now, including in all of these, you know, we have many of these these local militias from the various states and, and areas around. All of them have their own uniforms. Some of that's them, not going to be confusing later. And they're all different colors. So I'm of just course. imagining this rainbow swath of people that even have like foreign experience. You know, they have military experience from France, from St. Domingue and Latin America. So there's just this rainbow of colors out on the field. And Jackson's establishing his base of operations in New Orleans in late November 1814. And he's trying to concentrate his efforts on the Mississippi on the Mississippi River after discovering that they're about to, you know, attack New Orleans. This makes sense. Right. Um yeah. this all harkens back to our boy Jean Lafitte. Now, the citizens of New Orleans are super suspect of Jackson at first. They form a committee of public safety to protect their interests. They're convinced that Jackson would burn the city rather than surrender it. I mean, that is a fair statement when you think about how the citizens and um, members of the leadership wanted to burn New York to the ground rather than surrender it pre-revolutionary war. Okay, so this does check because I went like did a deep dive on like has Jackson burned cities before? I mean, was this kind of like a scorched earth campaign? Like how does he have a history of this? Because I don't have high opinions of him. So you tell me that he eats babies for snack and I'm going to believe you. It's, it's my confirmation bias right there. I mean, he's yeah. putting babies on steaks and I'm like, checks. Yeah. They got it checks. Mm-hmm. He's crazy. Eddie putting babies on spikes. Um, but I should also mention that as all this is going down, Jackson's bedridden when he first gets New Orleans, and he has to dictate the attack from his bed because he's got dysentery. Oh, okay. Like Oregon Trail, you, you have died, died of dysentery. dysentery. Mm-hmm. I bet he has the T-shirt. Oh, that would be so. Could you imagine a T-shirt from the 1800s with eight-bit graphics? <laughs> Just to be so anachronistic. <laughs> It'd be amazing. It'd be so vintage soft. I'd, I'd have to own it. Mm-hmm. So really, the U.S. is looking just shit out of luck. Yeah, they Their are. leader, they fear, is going to burn the city down, but he's too busy pooping the bed. Um, he's not feeling too Quite good. literally, as opposed to figuratively this time. Yeah, literally pooping the bed and meeting with pirates in between bouts at, in absinthe bars and they're outnumbered nearly three to one so meanwhile in louisiana um 
Behind the front lines, we have both white and free black men, 45 years and older, forming what they called the Home Guards to protect private property and maintain order in New Orleans and the surrounding towns cool. and posts. So, okay. I mean, I like that. I like seeing people come together. I wish we would do it more often. I wish we didn't need to delineate both white and free black men. I would really appreciate it. Like the entire community came together, but I feel like we would lose the fact that free black people helped all together. Meanwhile, slaves and citizens worked together to widen the canals and build the defenses among them. And slaves also fortified military positions and they fought in several battles of the Louisiana campaign. Women were not excluded from this. Women were making clothing for the troops, flags and bandages for the militia regiments, while nuns and free women of color nursed the wounded at hospitals and convents. Get it, ladies. Yeah. So we have, this was, this was something I got excited to read. The first and second battalions of the freemen of color comprised over 600 men and played an important role in this Louisiana campaign. Just as free black men had during the, con con the colonial period in the service of France and Spain, Louisiana was the first state in the union to commission a military officer of African descent and passed an act by the Louisiana legislature in 1812 and was the first in the nation to authorize a black volunteer militia with its frontline, with its black line officers. That's awesome. It is really neat. Now, there was a lot of um, problems with racism, even in Louisiana, even with these advancements where they would, they disbanded the free black people militia and then reinstated it. Um, they had limited the amount of property that black people could inherit during this time in hopes to, you know, keep them down and continue to subjugate them. Um, but it was still exciting to see that at least Louisiana was progressive to this level. It's still ex extremely limiting and I would love to see it much further. I'd love to see it much further today, but I'm going to acknowledge like, Hey, this was a big step. Um, so fighting in Jackson's forces in Louisiana, I'd mentioned the Choctaws. They were lifetime enemies of the pro-British Creek Nation. <laughs> so it is literally like these battle lines are, are almost legendary. And they were under the command of a dude named Major Pierre Giant. It's J-U-G-E-A-N-T. Probably most of those letters aren't pronounced. But this dude is part Choctaw Scout. <laughs> yeah. um, and he'd grown up among the Native Americans and spoke various dialects. Nice. Okay, I like this for us. Yeah. So, And he's another one of those people that I was like, oh, I really want to do a deep dive on him because he sounds fascinating. So we have the legendary Baratarian pirates who lent, ass lent assistance to Jackson and the Americans and primarily in the Battle of New Orleans, they did this in the form of military supplies and artillery power. Because of course they have weapons. <laughs> I mean, they had to arm themselves and their fortifications to begin with, right? Yep. So now we arrive to December four, December 1814. Okay. So the first battle of New Orleans launches in December of 1814. And that's when the British capture five American gunboats at Lake 
Borgian. I should have looked this up. I really should have because I looked at it. I was like, that's going to trip me up. But it's B-O-R-G-N-E. Borgne? Borne? I'm going to go with that. Borne? Yeah. Okay. Good enough. Um, People from Louisiana, please write in. (laughs) We need you. So despite (laughs) the loss, American casualties numbered. Okay. The Battle of New Orleans is several battles like it's not just one so you're going to hear me say a couple of things but i promise you stay tuned because the end is epic um despite the loss the american casualties numbered fewer than those the british it's just like risk you roll dice even Mm -hmm. the the defender Mm -hmm. takes a loss um the next major battle was on the night of december 23rd when the u.s and british fight on the land of Villiers, adjacent to the plantations below the city. And this ends in a stalemate that threw the British off balance and really battered their morale. Because again, they rolled in with basically three to one odds and they expected to just storm through this whole thing. And they're actually, they're taking hits. And the cost of engagement for this battle is high with 277 British casualties, including... 46 killed and i don't i don't understand how you can have a casualty and then a killing so maybe wounded in this in this regard Hmm. okay yeah that is a good question i mean but it says the u.s had 213 casualties with 26 of them being killed and the hardest hit was a group called beale's rifle company which was primarily composed of lawyers and merchants from new orleans so this just really shows that it was everybody arm in arm because I, yep. I get that lawyers are a bunch of bloodthirsty pirates themselves, but to hear that they were the rifle group is just, a, you know, it, it brings, it warms my cold, dead heart. So meanwhile, as all of this is happening, the U.S. and British commissioners meet in Ghent, Belgium on December 24th, and they sign a peace treaty that effectively ends the War of 1812. And then the battle is raging on in New Orleans. Right, because you can't just call over yet. <laughs> right. New phone, who dis? So that's Christmas Eve. They say, okay, we're done. Thanks, boys. And January 8th, because news travels slowly, the Battle of New Orleans is fought between General or Major General Peckham, and he's killed in battle, and a third of his group is severely wounded. Soldiers describe the battlefield action as confused, haphazard in the dark hours of that foggy morning. Britain suffers over 2,000 casualties in that decisive battle, where Jackson loses 71 men. That is outrageous in differences. Like, but again, America. Roll them dice. But you (laughs) didn't see that happening. And this is like the second time within a month that... Or not in a month, because I, you know, when I covered um, Musashi Miyamoto, like how he just like, I like, look, this is gonna be a short battle and it's not going to go as you, it's going to go poorly, but it's not going how you think it's going. You know, when he's yeah. slaughtering people with a boat oar, and Jackson's losing 71 men to Peckenham's two grand. But that's the, insane. The British do an incredible thing. They withdraw and, uh, sit out on the water over the Gulf and they fire at Fort Phillip for over a week before sailing out to sea. Like if that's not like, being a poor sport, I don't know what is. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm mad. 
I don't want to play with you, so I'm going to sit in my yard and throw rocks at yours. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Meanwhile, the the treaty has been out for weeks, and they're still getting angry, screaming obscenities over the fence at the neighbor boys. <laughs> that super checks. <laughs> so, yeah, that crazy, inane you know, bit is the Battle of New Orleans with all of the excitement and like, what the heck did I just hear? And how many people died? And we had pirates and free people of color and massive odds not in our favor. And we kicked them in the teeth despite there being a treaty already in place. I have like the the visual that I have is, is Jackson handing out those um, those jerseys you wear in practice games. <laughs> Everybody... I mean, <laughs> it's it's really like the the one football game from high school that I remember was our team was just absolutely hammering the other team to the point where a group of kids took out their car keys and started shaking them and chanting, go start the bus, go start the bus, because <laughs> the other team didn't even need to be on the field anymore. It was a foregone conclusion. Like, you're done, Ski. Yeah. But, like, I have to show you this incredible, um, like, really summary of that's on my notes. One of my sources had this beautiful visual for the final battle of New Orleans. Edward Peckingham is so much more distinguishingly handsome than Jackson. Jackson. Maybe it's the lack of slaves he owned. Okay, first off, Peckingham has a chest full of medals. And Jackson yells like he or looks like he just woke up out of a sound sleep with Wheel of Fortune playing in the background to yell at the kids to get off his lawn. He really, really does. Super does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that just to wild. see the pie chart of the forces engaged. And this one says that America had 5,700 to the United Kingdom's 8,000. Yeah. But and that could have been towards the end for this final battle, whereas, you know, I was thinking of original numbers, which is where I pulled them. But then you look at the casualties and this one said 62 versus the 71. So there's the different sources are going to have different numbers, right? Versus yeah. the United Kingdom's 2034. Well, and I'm sure like I always think about this in in relationship to war. I think it's probably really hard to give an, a, a really spot on casualty count because yes you can count your casualties that you know are direct hits you know right but like i feel like oftentimes there's probably a lot that are not accounted for or they died of other reasons and get accounted for i mean and how quickly after battle do you need to die to be counted among the dead of that battle like if you've got like look at look at henry the eighth he has that wound from right 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 the jousting incident that just lingers for years but if you've got an open wound and you are fighting infection every step of the way and it takes you three agonizing months should you be among the dead for that battle you wouldn't have died had you not been in it yeah yeah i think that's why it's hard to count for 100 percent accuracy in any battle i mean if we look at it on a single level, like if you, Angie, just got in a fight with your neighbor and let's say you got physical 
through whatever means your ever your little heart got you, maybe frying a pan, maybe throwing knives. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> I mean, however you do it. And if they're not dead, eh, you're looking at what attempted murder. But as soon as they die, your charge gets upgraded. It doesn't matter how long it takes for them to die. It just I mean, if they that's, die of that wound. if they die, of, yeah, I was gonna say if they die of that wound. So right. I mean, does. Yeah, I guess that has, has some far-reaching questions. Like, if you have the Agent Orange problems and you die 56 years later, do, do your numbers add to the... Right? Like, I mean, I guess it depends on what does your birth certificate... Or birth certificate, the opposite of that. What does your death certificate say? And, yeah, you know, are those numbers accurately getting reported to the powers that record totals? Right. I'd say probably not. I mean, <laughs> reporting and data are, are bad under the best of circumstances. Right. So I'm assuming war circumstances make them even worse. A little if bit I harder to, to tabulate. Yeah. But anyhow, that's the Battle of New Orleans. I love the visuals you've given me today. Um, I need you to know that the pirate prince, because that's what he is, is leading this ragtag group of people wearing penny jerseys into battle and they're all multicolored because Jackson just needed to do so. So there was one story of Jean Lafitte on the battlefield of New Orleans and he recognized that the, I think it was the ramparts, they didn't extend far enough. And he looked at it and just went, we need to, we need to build up that area over there because I am a pirate. And if I saw that, I would attack right there. We're fighting against a big Navy and they're going to think like I think they're going to come mm -hmm. over there. And Jackson kind of went, yeah, I'm all right. And that I'm was here for it. That was a big thing. Apparently that was credited, you know, a little feather in his cap. Is what made his plumage much longer. Right. Where it's like, <laughs> you know, what? Jean Lafitte, he's, he's, he's good peeps. You know, these are things. For some reason, when you said that, that he was looking out the ramparts, the first thing that came to my mind is that scene in Lord of the Rings right before um, Gimli tells Legolas he's going to need him to toss him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the visual I have now. There's elves in the Battle of New Orleans. I don't know if you know, but there are I, now. You know what? Honestly, <laughs> as, as much of a melting pot as New Orleans was in early not 1800s, surprised. yeah, I mean... Free, free people of color, Creole Catholics. Yeah, I'm here for Protestants. It. Oh, the Casquite girls. Yeah, the Casquite girls' descendants were likely there. They were, and they still are. Crazy and thought, huh? The nails that the Pope blessed for that convent still <laughs> in the shutters to this day. That's what they say. Just saying. I mean look i'm here for it as crazy as it is and i would love to get my hands on the pope's diary where i can see you know <laughs> oh i want to hear nails, like bless water yeah, bless babies <laughs> bless babies jim <laughs> lunch with the cardinals mm. um i just really wanted to be a fly on the wall when the pope's attendant had to tell him that was what was on the docket for the day two but i did nails last week <laughs> That was a different monastery. Ugh. Two o'clock, Sister Agnes will be in. She's going to need your blessing. And also more holy water. Thank you so much. Sister Mary Loquacious. 
<laughs> it's got a comma. What was that? Apostrophe. I mean, Sister Mary Loquacious <laughs> was not of the Holy Roman Emperor or Holy Roman <laughs> Church, Catholic Church. Whatever. I'm 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 so far gone at this point. Um Either way, if you have enjoyed hanging out with us, and if you're thinking this has been rip roaring fun, I wonder what the heck they are going to bring up next time. So do we. We haven't picked our stories yet. But <laughs> if you're like, oh, I need to reach out to them and explain to them how to pronounce that lake so that when they cover the next installment of the Battle of New Orleans that they didn't know was coming because Teresa finally researched that one person that led the Choctaws. I'm here for I it. I really hope you do. You can reach out to us at unhinged.historypod at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. All the things. Please tell your friends. Honestly, can you info dump this entire podcast on your friends so they never want to listen to us because they feel like that's all you do is talk about us? We're your best friends. Come hang out with us. You don't need so other We people. have pie. <laughs> we will have pie. And cookies. I want to hang out with us now. I know, me too. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, if you've enjoyed all of this, <laughs> goodbye. Bye. Bye.